Well, good morning again. If you're just joining us now, uh, so honored and pleased that you would join us on this beautiful day. Um, just one quick thing before we get into the message today and what God has for us. Um, at the end of service, we will be taking communion together. So if you are joining us online today, I did not give you the warning ahead of time. This was something that God was stirring in my heart last Sunday that we were going to be going in a little different direction today for today's service. I didn't know what it was, so I couldn't make that proclamation at the time to kind of have prepared for yourself uh, communion. But the beautiful thing about communion is you don't necessarily have to have grape juice and bread to do communion. It is a representation of what Jesus has done today or for us, and we will learn about that today. And so if you want to prepare for yourself something to drink and something to eat uh, during communion today, I would encourage you to do that. That'll be in approximately about 25 minutes. And so uh, today is going to be a little different day. As I mentioned, we have been in this ser- series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, we were supposed to be on number nine today. But after last week's service, again, uh, God spoke to me and, and asked that I be open to what he has for us. And um, as I was preparing last Monday, uh, he laid on my heart that we need to take communion together. Now, here today, we have a very safe communion. We can't take communion like we normally would uh, because of sanitary issues. And so we have these self-contained units that have bread in them on top of the juice. So uh, you'll see when you get there. But um, it's a nice, safe way. And so we were blessed with that. And uh, between that and God really reminded me that we have a lot of students here who might not have had the opportunity to take communion. And they're going to be with their parents. And so we need to together learn what communion is. Now, last week we learned about uh, stealing, but really I took the message towards the direction of being jealous for Jesus instead of jealous for things. And so I thought this would be a really good way to kind of build off of being jealous for Jesus. So today's big idea is going to be a really basic one. And so, Liam, if you could get that up on the screen, it says, I will remember what Jesus did for me. So that's the big idea. That's the point that we're trying to get towards today. That's, in essence, what communion or the Lord's Supper is all about. It is remembering what Jesus did for me. Now, of course, every time you hear this beautiful sound, hey, you're what's going to the big idea? And you're going to say with me, I will remember what Jesus did for me. Now, again, if you're just visiting us for the first time or you're online with us for the first time, uh, that's a little bit of a weird thing. It sounds almost like a chant, um, but really it's a fun way to get ourselves up and uh, get ourselves awake again. So that's just to help us remember with the big idea as well as wake us up because sometimes uh, in the middle of a service, you can kind of start dozing off and we don't want that. We want you to get everything God has for you today. So today, we're going to be starting off in the book of Luke on page 573 in the Bibles under your chairs or on the tables. If you're following along online um, with an online device, it is going to be in the ESV version that I'm reading from today. And so I'll give you a moment. Now, this passage is towards the end of Jesus' life. He's spent these many years with his disciples now, teaching them, encouraging them, modeling to them how to follow God. And so he ends up having this last meal with them. We call it the Last Supper, or sometimes people will call it the Passover Supper. And so Luke chapter 22, 
beginning in verse 7, says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and they found it just as he told them. And they prepared the Passover. Now, I've read this passage many times and we'll continue in a moment. But just imagine, put yourself in the disciples' shoes, right? Okay. You've seen Jesus do so many cool things over the years. And he tells you, go and you're going to find a guy and he's going to, he's going to have this beautiful place all ready for you to have this supper. And then they go and they just, out of faith, go walking down the street. And exactly as Jesus said, here's this man. He shows this beautiful upper room and they have their supper there. I just find that fascinating. We read these stories so many times we forget the, the miracle that wherever they went, things were happening that we don't experience as often today, but we can. Continuing on. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Suffer, For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, this, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup is poured out for you. This is a new covenant in my blood. There's a lot in this passage and I, I would love to take the time to go through it thoroughly with you today. But this really is pointing to a historical event that happened. We call this the Passover, the time in the Egyptian and Israelite timeline when the Egyptians held the Israelites slaves. Now, if you remember the story, maybe you don't even know this story. Maybe this is something new to you, but there was a very powerful man named Joseph who was taken to Egypt as a slave. He was a faithful man, and though he went through many trials, he rose up through faithfulness to God and to people to be second in command only to Pharaoh. He saved not only the Israelites from famine, but the Egyptians as well. But after some generations passed by, the Egyptians forgot about the beautiful thing Joseph had done. And they got afraid of these Israelites and they started putting them into slavery, locking them down, keeping them from what God had for them. And to fast forward the story, hundreds of years, Moses comes along and he sees this and he's upset about it. And he is used by God to do something about it. Now, of course, there was 
many miracles that happened before this, and there's a, there's a lot of cool stories that go with it. But it comes down to the very last miracle when God does something that nobody expected. Nobody ever could have seen this coming. And so they, as the Israelites, were supposed to do just a couple of things to partner with God in this. And the first one was they were to do according to what Jesus is doing right here. They were eating supper. But they had to do something with this supper. They had to kill a perfect lamb. And they had to take this blood and put it over the doorpost of their house and to cover it so that when the angel of death were to come and take all the firstborn in all of Egypt, they would pass over those houses that had this blood poured out on them. And then there was another thing. They were to make unleavened bread. You see, they were going to be getting out of Egypt in such a hurried fashion that they wouldn't have time for the leaven to set and to raise the bread. And so God wanted them to have unleavened bread. And so this is what Jesus is doing in this passage is he's remembering this that has been celebrated for 1400 plus years. They were celebrating exactly what has been celebrated every year since then. And so Jesus was doing this and he was celebrating it. He was having time with his disciples but then he did something pretty fascinating which we will come to in just a moment but i do believe we have some special guests coming everybody get up if you love him Jack! Bobby, what's wrong? Well, I got in trouble in church for watching NASCAR on my phone again. Again? Yeah, so mom took it, and I had to listen to that pastor guy up there going blah, 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 blah. Bobby! I know, but... So he was talking about this this Passover thing, and and I have to, I have to put the sheep blood on the door... Because I'm the oldest boy, and so if we don't, he's going to come and God's going to, you know, do the thing like he did in Egypt. But my favorite sheep, Jack! Bobby. Bobby. What? Bobby, don't you remember if you read photo in the Bible? Jesus took care of all that for us. When he, he died on the cross, he took care of all that, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. So I don't have to kill my buds because of all the bad stuff I did either? No. Oh. No, Jesus is the blood for us now. Oh. So we should follow that Jesus guy, huh? Yeah, you should. Read your Bible more and do what Jesus tells us to do. Okay. Do you think Jesus will get my phone back from mom for me? Uh, that's kind of up to mom. Okay. But I don't think you should watch NASCAR in church anymore. Probably not. No. So after I get off the stool for three more hours? Yes. Do you want to come outside and play with Jack with me? Yes, because Jack is safe. Okay, good, because okay. I thought we were going to have to kill Jack, but I'm no, glad we don't. No, Jack is safe. Okay, good. All right, Bobby. Okay, we'll see you later. All right. Well, I'm sure glad Sally uh, helped Bobby clear that up there. That was very important. So well, how about we add to that just a little bit today? There's some good scriptures that back up exactly what, what Sally was telling Bobby today. 
And so Jesus came and he changed a few things in Luke chapter 22, as they referred to in our skit today. See, Jesus came and he became the lamb. He took the place of good old Jack, who is going to be sacrificed every year. The perfect spotless lamb was to be sacrificed every year for the sins of the people. And Jesus came and he took that place. You see, Instead of the bread being broken, Jesus' body was broken. We see this in Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, and all of 53 is really powerful, but just these two verses really pinpoint it wonderfully. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hey, what's the big idea? I know it was coming up. I... It's so much like the lamb that was offered every year to take away our sins, or really Israel's sins at that time, Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice, but yet his sacrifice was different, right? Again, as we said, it didn't just have to occur every year. It only had to occur one time. This was a one and done kind of thing. When Jesus died, his sacrifice was perfect for all time. It didn't have to be done every year. But secondly, it created a new covenant. Well, that's a big word, especially if you're new to this walk with Jesus. What does this new covenant mean? Well, in short, it means that Jesus' death made it possible for everyone, not just the Israelites that we read about in the Old Testament. It's for everyone to be part of God's family. Now, you too can be a part of God's family. It's just not for this one set of people way long ago that were God's chosen people, the Israelites. It's for you and me. We read this in Romans 5, 6 through 9, where Paul says, When we were utterly helpless, you and I were utterly helpless at one time. We were lost in our sins. Every single one of us, the Bible says, we have all sinned. Every single one of us. When we were utterly helpless, when we were sinners, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. He died for you. You're lost in your sin. He died for you. Even if you didn't want him to, he still did it. And now he goes on and says, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. And this is where I really love it. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Again, before Jesus came, you and I, you and I could not be in God's presence. 
I hope you get that today. I know so many people have grown up in the faith and you've gone to church and maybe you've been confirmed, maybe you've been baptized, whatever your tradition has been in the past. You feel like you've settled things with God, but we so easily forget that we did not deserve to be saved. We were far from Christ. But yet he came and he gave us the opportunity to be in relationship with him. Christ took our punishment. And as we read in Luke chapter 22, his body was broken for us. We deserve that punishment. You deserve to be killed for your sin and put into a place far away from God for all eternity called hell. Far from Christ. Full of pain, full of anguish, full of hatred, full of sorrow. That's where we were headed. But Christ came His body was broken for us. And now his blood, represented by the grape juice that we take, will cover us. And now the only thing that the Father sees is Christ covering us. He sees the perfect, spotless lamb that is now Jesus covering over you and I. That's what communion is. That's what Jesus was talking about in this passage today with his best friends hanging around him. To them, it was groundbreaking. They'd never heard that before. They had been through this Passover every year of their life, slaughtering a lamb, eating unleavened bread, having this this get-together, remembering what, what Moses did for them, but lacking the power of salvation. It was all by works. It's by what they did. They had to do this or they would be cast out. Now Jesus came and he's like, It's going to be different, guys. I'm going to be sacrificed. I'm going to be broken. My blood's going to pour out for you. And now you're going to have access to me without anything. Without anything holding you back. The only thing that we're required to do in this transaction is to come to him and admit that we are sinners. Right? That's that's our requirement Is to come to him and say, I've got a problem. I'm a sinner. I've done bad things, right? And that deserves to be punished. And we're going to read that actually in today's sword drill. So I'm going to have Tina come up and she's going to lead you in our sword drill. Again, if you've not been here for a sword drill before... It's something that we like to do to get you awake because right about now you're, you're getting comfortable again. You're maybe dozing off. We want to wake you back up and uh, do a little fun activity for you. And she'll explain exactly how to do this. So get those Bibles ready. There you go. Helps if I turn it on. All right, so a sword drill is just a race to find the Bible verse in your Bible. So I'm going to give you the reference, and then once the boys hit the music, you're going to look for that. And once you have it, you're going to yell, got it. And I'm going to ask you to come up here and read it for everybody. So, but before we start, typically a sword drill, you put your Bible on your head. But as most of you know, we don't like to do things in the normal way down in Kids Church. So today, I'm going to have you put your Bible on your belly. All right. So I'm going to give you the reference. And then once the boys start the music, you can go ahead and race to find the verse. 
Today's verse is Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. So Romans 10, 9 and 10. Go ahead, guys. There you go. For my Sunday school teacher, to find it. Boy, you're gonna be a preacher. That's why I got my Bible. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Captain has it. I don't think you've read it for us before. Go ahead and keep looking. We'll let the music play for a while if you haven't found it yet. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth, I can read it, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Thank you very much. Very nice, very nice. She should get a clap. Come on. I just tangled myself up. That is awesome. Way to go. So up on the screen, I have a... New Living Translation variety of it, if you want to call it that. Uh, I just loved it because it, it took a little different spin. And it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So in order to be a part of God's family, it's easy. You don't have to sacrifice a lamb every year, Right. You have to believe that what Jesus did when he came to earth and died for your sins, his body was broken, his blood was shed up, and he was put in the grave, but that he didn't stay in the grave. He conquered death. He conquered grave. He, he conquered hell, and he rose to be with the Father. If you believe that he did that, that the, what the Bible says about him is true, you'll be saved. But we also have a part in there as well to openly declare. Now, I've memorized this passage with the confess, right? I love to openly declare because it's more than just saying out loud, I believe in Jesus. No, this is openly declaring it, not just to the people in your circles, but to the world that Jesus is Lord. What God does in your heart when you are saved, you've got to tell it. You've got to share it. This is so important because if somebody doesn't believe this, if they don't believe it, they will not be with you in heaven, that's horrible. I don't want that on my account. I don't want to know that there was people that I knew that I had the opportunity to share God's word with and they didn't believe. They didn't have that chance because I didn't share it with them. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be going around doing crazy things and, and saying amazing things, you know, like Billy Graham. It's just being kind. Showing them love, caring for them, spending time with them, loving them, seeing them the way Jesus sees them, and loving them the way Jesus loved them. That's what it means to remember what God has done for us. It's believing, it's confessing, it's openly declaring that Jesus is indeed Lord. All right, Liam. I hey, what's the big idea? And say... I will remember what Jesus did for me. And it first begins with admitting, I need Jesus. I'm a sinner. And only he can make me right in God's eyes. 
And once we've done that, once we've established that we are followers of Jesus, then this next step is a pretty fun one. We remember what he did for you through taking communion or the Lord's Supper. We take communion remembering what Jesus has done for us. Paul, a little bit later in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28, pretty much says exactly what Jesus did at the Lord's Supper, but he adds some to it. And I want to read this passage because it's very important that when we remember what Jesus has done for us through taking the Lord's Supper, through taking communion, that we take into consideration what Paul has to say in this passage. And he says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, right? So this was what God told him. You need to put this into play in the church in Corinth. This is supposed to be something that they partake in. So he says, on the night when he was betrayed, that is Jesus, the Lord took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? We take this bread on a Sunday morning or whenever you partake in communion or the Lord's Supper together. You take that bread and you remember that God's body, Jesus' body was broken for you. That he took the punishment for you. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup this is the new covenant between God and his people. The new covenant. We now get to be part of it. That's what the new covenant is. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And he goes on to say, Now, this is Paul's words. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Why do we take communion on a regular basis? Some churches do it every week, right? Why would we do that? Because every time we do, we proclaim, we remember once again what Jesus has done for us. We don't ever want to forget That Jesus' body was broken for us. That his blood was spilled out so that we could be right with God. And then he finishes off in verses 27 and 28. And he says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Think about that. If, If we are coming to the Lord's supper or communion in an unworthy manner what does that mean unworthy manner if you're coming with sin in your life that hasn't been confessed right if if there's something in your life that you know isn't right with god you need to confess it to him the beautiful thing about that is that if you confess it to him he's faithful he's just he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you And so today, as we come into this time of communion, he says in verse 28 that we should examine ourselves before taking communion. We must examine ourselves. Hey, what's the big idea? Get to your feet and say. And so if you have ever read the book of Corinthians before, uh, you would know that the Corinthians were 
full of bad things. They were evil people. They did things that even today in our culture, we would be like, yeah, that's a little bit off. That, that's kind of sinful. That's kind of wrong. They were sinful people. And so Paul writes to them and says, don't come to this communion table. Don't partake in this if you are not willing to deal with the sin in your life. You see, Jesus has forgiven of your sins, yes. But if you have continued to live a sinful life, we need to come before him and say, I need forgiveness. Just because you have Jesus in your heart, just because you've confessed him and and asked him to be your savior, doesn't mean that you don't struggle with sin anymore. And so the beautiful thing with communion is this is a time where we dedicate, we examine ourselves and say, is there something inside of me that needs to be dealt with, Jesus? And deal with it. And deal with it. Because God wants to take away that sin. He's willingly going to come in and forgive you. And so as the worship team comes back up, I'm going to ask that as we sing this last song, we're going to have time where we can just come before Jesus and ask him to, first of all, maybe reveal to you maybe an area of your life, maybe that you haven't really thought about lately, that you've maybe stuffed away, that God wants to work in your heart and say, I want to forgive that. Will you admit that? Will you say, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to confess that he wants to forgive you of that. So we're going to have this song playing. And after the song is over, we will go into a time of communion. During our time after our song, I'm going to read the scripture again. We're going to say a prayer and then you with your family will come and take communion together. Now, whether you want to come up here and take communion or you want to go back to your chairs and take communion, the only thing I ask is that when we are taking communion, that when you walk up, and you walk back again that you wear your mask if possible just so that we as in the proximity of being close to one another we can protect ourselves today but i love what c.s lewis said as we go into this time of just reflection and examining he said this powerful statement the more we let god take us over the more truly ourselves we become it's a good word for us today You see, communing and examining yourself and and reflecting isn't necessarily to beat you up or to make you feel worse about yourself. No, it's to strengthen you. It's to encourage you. It's to comfort you. Because God comes in and he says, I forgive it all. Whatever you're fighting through today, I forgive it all. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will send the Holy Spirit to be your ultimate comfort. And so, Father, as we come before you today, I pray that as we prepare ourselves for communion, as we reflect on what that meant for your body to be broken for us, to receive the punishment that we deserved. Oh, Father, to think about your blood being poured out so that we could be clean and perfect in your father's eyes father i pray that if there's anybody in here today who hasn't given their life to you who hasn't said god i give you my life i'm a sinner there's no way for me to be in the presence of god when i die i pray that they will say i need you jesus i believe that you forgave me of my sins when you died on the cross you took my punishment 
And I want to let you be the Lord or the captain of my life, the pilot of my life. I'm going to let you have control back over my life again. And I will do what you say. Father, you move. And then as we come together again, you will cleanse us when we admit to you our sins. We surrender now in Jesus' name.
pray that you will make this a, a very special time between individuals and you and families and you. Thank you. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, we read again, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke the pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an arrangement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You are now free to come up and take communion with your family. The altars will be open as long as you need them to be. Thank you, Jesus.